Meditations on the Psalms, Psalms 92-101, constitute so many parts or chapters of one little book. They celebrate the introduction of the kingdom, or, the world to come, and show Messiah himself, his Israel, and the nations, anticipating it. Many of the Jewish writers themselves refer them to, the world to come. Other scriptures might prepare us for such psalms. Isaiah tells us, that in the midst of the judgment, the true Israel will lift up their voice and sing for the majesty of the Lord, and these psalms might suitably be the subject of that singing. Isaiah chapter 24, verses 13 to 15, Hosea shows that, in the second wilderness, or place of discipline, in the latter day, they shall be spoken comfortably to, and these psalms may be the utterance of their comforted hearts. The valley of Achor is to be a door of hope, and they shall sing there. Hosea chapter 2, indeed Messiah tells his people to sing in anticipation of his kingdom. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 to 16, Jehoshaphat sang as he entered the field, and in these psalms the remnant rejoice and sing in hope. So the watchmen in the latter day sing at the tidings that salvation is coming. Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 and 8, having put them thus together as forming one little book, and said this much generally upon them, I would open them shortly as follows. But how small is the measure here given to them? And how happily and largely may they, to a greater measure, engage the meditations of the saints? May we all kindle our hearts at such blessed scriptures more and more in company with Jesus. Luke chapter 24 verse 32, Psalm chapter 92. This is the language of Christ, the son and heir of David, anticipating his kingdom or Sabbath. But in this coming Sabbath, God's thoughts will be celebrated as well as his works, verse 5. This will give the joy and praise of the final Sabbath a higher character than the first had, when the works alone were celebrated. For counsels of grace, which are God's deep thoughts, have produced this. The first Sabbath came in simply upon creation, the last Sabbath will come in upon the destruction of the enemy, as Christ here also anticipates, so that it will not be exposed to danger and disturbance. As the first was, but the righteous will still flourish and be fruitful, as is here also declared. Zacharias spoke of Jesus as this, horn of salvation, under whom Israel was to be delivered and flourish. Here the speaker takes that character to himself. See Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79, but Messiah, son and heir of David, takes the kingdom from God. Daniel 7, Luke chapter 19, it is called the kingdom of the Father. God the Father is glorified, though it be the day of the Lordship of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, Jesus was anointed for the ministry of grace, Isaiah chapter 61, Luke chapter 4, he is to be anointed for the ministry of the kingdom. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 to 10, this is the, fresh oil. Faith in a poor but happy pardoned sinner brought its oil to greet this anointed one. Luke chapter 7, John chapter 12, the nations will also after this manner gladden and honor him. Psalm chapter 45 verse 8, Matthew chapter 2 verse 11, and here Jesus owns the fragrancy of this costly anointing which was on him. This is, indeed, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. For this exaltation of the anointed one will be the kingdom, of which the Sabbath is the type and pledge. And then, the tile tree and the oak, which have long been withered, shall flourish again, revive as in the time of old age. Israel shall then, after so long a time, flourish and bud and fill the face of the earth with fruit, verse 14, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 13, Isaiah chapter 17 verse 6. And all this will be to God's praise. Every tongue shall confess Jesus Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
Psalm chapter 93, this is the language of the people, anticipating, in their turn, the same millennial kingdom. They address Messiah the King, celebrating his power and glory in some grand features of it. 1. His discomfiture of his enemies. 2. The stability of his throne. 3. The holiness of his house or government. This psalm seems to announce the great subjects which are in the following psalms more detailed. It is an introduction, doing the well-known office of a preface. Psalm chapter 94. This psalm, accordingly, resumes the first of those subjects more largely. The people, waiting for their Messiah or King, call on him to judge the enemy, to still the floods, 92 verse 3, that are lifting up the voice. And all scripture joins to tell, that the millennial kingdom of Christ will not be brought in, till this judgment is executed on the enemies of Israel. But in the course of this psalm, the afflicted remnant greatly comfort themselves in God, assured that he will work for them. They know that in the midst of these floods and waves, the Lord is their rock which nothing can move. The judgment here described is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion, the day of breaking up confederacies. The day of the Lord that is to be upon everything lifted up, the day of revenges upon the enemy. Deuteronomy chapter 42. Verses 41 to 42. The floods that lift up their waves will then be rebuked by the Lord. Isaiah chapter 17, verses 12 and 13, but judgment is to return unto righteousness, verse 15. The judgment is to lead to the exaltation of righteousness in the earth, when power will be on the side of righteousness, as in the kingdom. The infidel character of the faction is strikingly challenged and rebuked by the righteous Israel, verses 7 to 10. Saint Peter addresses the same unbelief, but more in the way of a teacher of God's truth. 2 Peter chapter 3, Psalm chapter 95. Thus encouraging themselves, their hearts are tuned to a song of joy and praise, so lively and fresh are their anticipations. The Lord by his Spirit seems to break in on all this anticipated joy, not to check or alter it, but just to give holy admonition in the midst of it, verses 7 to 11. And this interruption, or this voice of the Spirit, acts in two ways, it tells them that there is a rest, see Hebrews chapter 4. It tells them also that they must take heed and avoid all that which in their fathers caused a loss of that rest. See Hebrews chapter 3, for they are still in spirit in the wilderness or place of discipline, still, as of old, between Egypt and Canaan, and therefore in need of such admonition. The apostles' commentaries on these chapters give this character to this voice. But we know surely that the admonition is rightly applied to us all. Psalm chapter 96. They continue their joy here, which shows that the Lord had not by his exhortation, Psalm chapter 95, verses 7 to 11, designed to check it, and here they summon the whole earth to join it. A new song is called for. And the Jews themselves interpret the new songs of Scripture to belong to the days of Messiah, that is to the world to come, as the Apostle speaks, the power of the Son of Man. And besides, as there was a song at creation, Job chapter 38 verse 7, so another and a richer song, a new song, will usher in the kingdom or the times of refreshing and restitution. When the earth itself shall be in the liberty of glory. Romans chapter 8 verse 21, this psalm is recited in 1 Chronicles 16, and forms part of that beautiful composition, that sweet compound of songs and joys, which David and Israel prepared for the ark taking its rest which was the type of the kingdom by anticipation celebrated here. All shall be included in the closing joy. As in Revelation chapter 5 the redeemed, the angelic companies, and all creatures in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the seas, join in it, so here all are summoned to the millennial song. 
that there may be a full chorus of praise. Psalm chapter 97. This psalm is another exercise of the heart of the remnant anticipating the kingdom. It is as though they were even now bringing the first begotten into the world the second time, or in his glory, not in his sufferings as at his first coming, and joyously they rehearse, in spirit, his discomfiture of all his foes. But here again, as in Psalm chapter 95 verses 7 to 11, the Lord by his prophet breaks in on all this joy with words of admonition, verses 10 to 12. He tells them that for the righteous all this light and glory is prepared, and warns them therefore to hate evil, and to cultivate tempers worthy of the coming kingdom. Fire is to be the instrument of the divine judgments in this expected day of the Lord. The battle of the Lord is to be with burning and fuel of fire. Isaiah chapter 9, the throne of the Ancient of Days is like the fiery flame, and a fiery stream comes forth before him in the day of this judgment. Daniel 7, so in the vision of John, the temple was filled with smoke, as the God of glory and power was preparing the vials of wrath. Revelation chapter 15, but Zion rejoices, verse 8. There will be tabrets and harps for the righteous then. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 32, for though light and gladness are only then sown for them, and not as yet reaped by them, still they can sing, as we observed already, anticipations are so sure. For, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Psalm chapter 98. Upon this the true Israel sing again. As it were, they use the tabret and harp, which we know, as observed above, are to be theirs, even in the day of God's judgments. His judicial righteousness is the theme of the gladness here, and again they summon all to join with them. They also chant their own salvation in the day of this judgment. For we know that they will be drawn out of many waters, like Noah they will be preserved in the very place of judgment, like Lot, drawn forth in safety from it. See Psalm chapter 18 verse 16, they will then be spared, the same day illuminating them, and consuming the enemy. Malachi chapter 3, and 4, they will only be refined by these fires, Zechariah chapter 13. All scripture shows, like this psalm, that the joy of the whole earth will follow the restoration of Zion. And the praises of the Lord will then be as, a loud noise, for all will join in them, and there will be no rebuking of them, or silencing of them, through the unbelief of the world. There will be nothing to check, but all to swell the full concert of praise then. Psalm chapter 99, the same Israel of God are still occupied here, as is very evident, with the same thoughts and joys. They largely anticipate the kingdom, the forgiveness of the nation's sin according to the pattern of the divine mercy to their fathers, and then the people rendering in the temple the services of praise. In the spirit of reverent fear, from the sense of the holiness of God's house and government. But it is not the precursory judgments that raise the joy, as we saw before, but the actual reign in Zion. For the Lord is now seated between the cherubim, at home in the midst of his people. He is great in Zion. And his people shout his praise again, exalting the Lord at his holy hill, or place of righteous government, all the review of the past. Whether they were the days of Moses and Aaron, or of Samuel, all aiding the praise. And so it will be. For everything that will not do that shall be restrained, as we saw under Psalm chapter 76. Psalm chapter 100. This psalm calls on all the Gentile people to follow Israel into the holy house of God with praise. The sureness of his testimonies, his truth, and his mercy, are declared. And thus the mountain of the Lord's house is established, and nations are flocking to it. Many people and strong nations, according to the prophet, seek the Lord of hosts at Jerusalem. His house there is a house of prayer for all nations, and while its walls are salvation, its gates will be praise.
and here, at the close of these songs of Israel, we may again observe that Scripture teaches us that Israel will, in the day of the discipline, know these joys, see Psalm chapter 99, it is true they will mourn like doves, they will confess the nation's sin, like Daniel or Nehemiah, they will say, my leanness, my leanness, but they will have their joys and anticipated songs also. The Apocalypse shows us the same in principle, see Psalm chapter 11, verses 16 to 18, for there the joy in heaven is anticipatory in the day of divine wrath and earth's destruction. And I may say, as Isaiah chapter 60 appears to be the spirit of truth teaching the remnant what the results of the Redeemer coming to Zion, see Psalm chapter 59 verse 20, are to be. Surely when they learn that lesson they will have abundant occasion to sing songs in prospect of the kingdom. For the same spirit is leading their hearts, the same spirit is weaving sorrows and joys together, the thought of their own iniquity with the thought of the Lord's salvation and kingdom that their souls may be led into various and profitable affections. Psalm chapter 101. The previous psalms have been, as we have seen, varied happy exercises of the remnant on the great themes connected with the kingdom, and which were suggested at the beginning, such as the discomfiture of the enemy, the stability of the throne, and the holiness of the house or government of the Lord. Here Messiah is again personally heard, as he was in the first of this series. Psalm chapter 92, he takes the kingdom, that is by anticipation, greatly desiring it in reality, verse 2. Entering it with a song to, mercy and judgment, for mercy and judgment had just been seen in the way of bringing in the kingdom judgment on the enemy, mercy towards the true Israel. And having sung this song, he undertakes to order his kingdom in righteousness, and to maintain the holiness of God's house forever, as in Psalm chapter 72, 2 Samuel 23-5, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 4, Zechariah, and observe that, in principle, mercy and judgment are the burden of the thoughts or songs of every believer or worshipper when entering on any divine dispensation. Adam went out of Eden to walk across a cursed earth as a pardoned sinner, with this song in his spirit, so did Noah enter on the new world. And so did Israel enter Canaan in the like way, for each of these in his day, Adam, Noah, and Israel, had witnessed judgment upon others, and were themselves the witnesses of mercy. We have entered on our age, singing likewise of mercy and judgment, for we have seen the judgment of our sins sustained by Christ, and ourselves the monuments of mercy. And when the glory or kingdom is entered by and by, as we read here, mercy and judgment will again be sung. And this must be so, for righteousness must be upheld, while grace takes its course, justice will not give way, the love will have its way. What a perfect little volume this appears to be. 92 to 101, Messiah himself opens and closes it. At the beginning he anticipates his being anointed for the kingdom, or the exaltation of his horn, at the close he declares how he will order his kingdom and his Israel in the meantime have, as we have also seen, rehearsed their anticipations of the kingdom in its judicial righteousness and final blessedness. Oh for more concord with all this in our hearts. Oh that we were tuning our instruments at the door, getting our hearts more in harmony with the joys of this coming kingdom. May we watch and pray for such a mind, and be skilled in the songs of the Lord. Psalm chapter 102. Something very different is now to be heard. This psalm opens with the complaint of the man of sorrows. He sees himself deserted by his followers, reproached by the foe, and sustaining the righteous anger of God. The indignation and wrath due to others falling on him. 1 to 11, we then listen to God's answer to this, and that answer pledges him life and a kingdom, and display in his glory. 
rehearsing also the theme of praise with which Israel and the nations will then celebrate him. 12-22, then Messiah is heard a second time solitarily musing on his griefs, 23, and 24, and God, in like manner, again answering him, reminding him, so to speak, of his ancient glories at creation, and pledging him, as before, life, a kingdom, and a seed. 25-28, the quotation in Hebrews chapter 1 from this psalm seems to give it this structure and character, for it tells us that v. 25-27 is the language of God to the Son. And this leads us to conclude that verses 12 to 22 is the same. And thus the above structure of the psalm is determined. But, in connection with it, we may notice one thing. The Lord Jesus Christ is the builder. This entitles us to see the Christ as the head of every dispensation, the great active power in all, whether in creation, among the patriarchs, on Mount Sinai, or as the God of Israel through all their history. He made the worlds, or ordered the ages. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, he built Moses and every house of God. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 3, and it is the Christ whom God addresses in this psalm as having laid earth's foundations, and outliving, in his glory, all things that are made, the Christ who was once the bruised and smitten one. Wondrous mystery. It is a psalm of very touching beauty and grandeur. It is like Jesus in Gethsemane, exceeding sorrowful even unto death, going away and praying again, saying the same words, and yet again and again heard, the angel from heaven strengthening him there. The answer of Jehovah assuring him here. See Luke chapter 22 verse 43, I might further observe that this psalm also lets us read, in these utterances of Jesus and the divine answers to them, what we learn from other simple doctrinal scriptures. That the glories of Jesus come from his suffering. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. It shows us, the sufferings of Christ, and the glories that should follow. For the Lamb on the throne is the Lamb that had been before on the altar. It is the bow of him who had been once shod by the archers that abides in strength. All scripture shows us this, and we have it in these cries of Jesus, and the answers so blessedly made to them. Answer as to our blessing. It all depends on the same sufferings of Christ. No sorts of God's love are to be allowed which would interfere with the demands of his righteousness. The love is without measure. That is true, but it is not a mere emotion. It is that which, at an unutterable cost, provided redemption for the guilty. And if we think of love without believing the provision that it made for the claims and exactions of righteousness, we are dealing with a mere sentiment of our own mind, and not with the revelation of God and poor are the best conceptions of man's religion, something different indeed from the moral grandeur and perfections of the gospel of Christ, where God is just while he justifies the sinner. Where we learn that he has brought back his banished ones, and received his prodigals, all the while upholding the full glories of his throne of righteousness, and providing in and from himself an answer to all its demands. The cross of Christ is the secret and center of all this. Psalms 103 to 107. These psalms form the different chapters of another little book. The contents prove that, and the first of them alone having a title favors it. It is a fine celebration of God's resurrection power, or pardoning restoring grace. Psalm chapter 103 celebrates this grace or power in the psalmist's own person. He rehearses the forgiveness of all his sins, and the guiding of him onward to the kingdom by the safe and tender hand of his heavenly Father. Psalm chapter 104 looks at creation in the same light. 
God's providence rules over all even now, but in the end his resurrection strength will be applied to creation, which therefore will again, as of old, become the object of divine delight. And though it now groans and travails in pain, will then be delivered. The 105th, 106th, 107th, celebrate the same thing in Israel, Psalm 105. Looking at Israel blessed of God till they were brought to Canaan, and there set under the law, Psalm chapter 106. Looking on all that as failing, and Israel bringing ruin and death on themselves, and then Psalm chapter 107. Presenting the resurrection grace and strength of God, calling Israel from the place of death to know his loving kindness and declare his goodness as a people who had been dead and were alive again. Who had been lost but now were found. Psalm chapter 106. Closes with rehearsing the cries of Israel so often heard in the days of the distress throughout the book of Judges, verses 43 to 46. The psalmist then takes up the same cry as for Israel's present distress, and anticipating mercy and deliverance, blesses the God of Israel, verses 47, and 48. Psalm chapter 107. Gives God's answer, realizing these anticipations of this little volume of psalms may thus come happily after Psalm chapter 102, where we heard the cry of him who sought deliverance from death, and was heard, and whose deliverance or resurrection is the grand pledge of the same to all whom he heads, for in Christ shall all be made alive. His own mystic body, the church, will rise in the likeness of his glorious body, Israel and the nations will revive in the earth, and the creation itself be delivered from corruption. There will, it is true, be different orders and glories, but all will be as in resurrection or new creation. When Jesus preached he healed. So did his apostles and the disciples whom he sent forth. Disease departed where he came, sickness cleared off, and the voice of health and thanksgiving was heard in the villages and cities of Israel. As of old when he led his people from Egypt, it was as God their healer. Exodus chapter 15, he led them. Their feet had not swelled for forty years, Caleb's strength was green and fresh as when he set out, the witness of what would have been for all the congregation had they been obedient. And so, when the kingdom comes, the lame will leap as an heart, the tongue of the dumb shall sing. These shall be again the works of the son of David. Isaiah chapter 35, Matthew chapter 12, for the earthly people shall then be in lovely healthful tabernacles, after the long leprosy, the flesh becoming like the flesh of a little child, while in the higher celestial places. The children of the resurrection will shine in spiritual bodies of glory, according to the mighty power of Christ, whereby he is able to subdue even all things unto himself. Resurrection or redemption, for they are one in principle, has been God's great purpose from the beginning. Without faith in resurrection, the power of God, is not known, Matthew chapter 22 verse 29, neither is, knowledge of God, attained. 1 Corinthians 15 34, creation is but the avenue or ante-room. Creation was for redemption and not redemption after creation. Because in counsel before the foundation of the world, all was to stand in redemption. The law of the jubilee shows us this. Leviticus chapter 25, and the man of God, the pardoned accepted sinner celebrates all this in this magnificent series of psalms, rejoicing, as we have said, in redeeming or resurrection power as displayed in himself, in creation. And in Israel, seeing it everywhere, as his soul surveys the glorious prospect. The purpose of the Spirit in these psalms being moral and not historical, to vindicate Jehovah in his dealings with Israel, and to convict Israel in their dealings with Jehovah. The psalmist in 104 and 106 does not give the events to which he refers in strict or accurate order. 
He speaks of the plague of darkness, for instance, before that of flies, and of Korah's rebellion, before the making of the golden calf. This is natural, and what we ourselves would do very probably, if our purpose in narrating circumstances was, like the psalmists here, moral and not historical. Having thus viewed these psalms together, they are left to the consideration of the saints, judging, however, that a minute observation of each would confirm this general impression. And a sweet meditation they afford to the renewed mind. A poor sinner, in Psalm chapter 103, stands, in spirit, at the golden altar, that is, in the full certainty of salvation, with his incense of praise. And from that happy place anticipates or surveys the past and future dealings of the same Lord, who had thus blessed him in all his works and ways. Whether in creation itself or in the midst of his people. And indeed the only adequate power of interpreting the divine way is to bear in our souls a sample of it, as is done here. For the believer is a kind of first fruits. James chapter 1, he already stands in the reconciliation, as all will by and by. Col 1, God's way is in grace or in resurrection, and the consciously pardoned sinner is, therefore, the only full prophet of God, the only one who can to the full either enjoy or declare him. Acquaint thyself with God, if thou wouldest taste his works. It is well to add, that parts of Psalm chapter 105 and Psalm chapter 106 were sung at the removal of the ark in 1 Chronicles 16. As we have already observed, Psalm chapter 96 furnishes another part of that same beautiful composite hymn. For that occasion, typically, set forth the season of Israel's coming joy, and these psalms are songs of praise suited to that season. Resurrection, the glorious interpreter of God's ways and purposes, and the full and eternal witness of his love and power, being thus the theme of this book, we may say, in the closing words of it. Whoso is wise, and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Note. The fourth division of the Psalms, according to the Jews, ends with Psalm chapter 106.